0: All right, good morning. If we can start making our way to our seats, yeah. we'll get started this morning. There you go, Dan. That's good, Dan. All right. Good morning, Saints. How is everybody? Good morning, good morning, good to see you all this morning. Welcome to Gateway Baptist Church. For all of you watching us online, we're so glad you're with us as well. Got a few announcements of things going on in the life of our body over the next week or two. Uh, first off, this, today uh, we're having our every other Sunday afternoon prayer gathering. It will be taking place today in the next couple weeks, as I mentioned last week, over here in the gym building in room one. Um, because our teenagers, as I mentioned, are uh, practicing their drama here later today. Um, they're going to be putting a performance on in the next, at the end of August on the, the Book of Ruth, so we're excited about that. But prayer today, 4.30, room one, over in the gymnasium building. And just a reminder, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., uh, there's a time of prayer in room, the same room in room one uh, from 8 to 8.45 that we just pray for uh, the Sunday morning. You pray for the community. River Region, our church, our body, whatever the Holy Spirit uh, leads to pray for, that happens every week at 8 a.m. Men, Wednesday, July 26th um, is the next men's outing, a trail hike and devotional at 6 o'clock at the Lagoon Park Trails. Um, The email uh, went out a couple weeks ago with all the details, but if you need more information with some of these other announcements, everything is on our website at gatewaybaptist.com on the news and events page. If you look that up, you'll see all the information. Um, on the church website. So that's the men, Wednesday, July 26th at 6 o'clock. Also, we're excited about the opportunity the first week of August to serve uh, Capitol Heights Middle School again. We've been working with them for many, many years now, an opportunity to serve that school and prepare uh, the grounds and many things of the school for the new year. So Monday, August 7th. At 5:30. We'll have some opportunities to serve around that school. Dinner will be provided, but we are asking you to please register like we did the past couple years to um, allow us to know those that are coming so we can prepare accordingly to get enough food for everybody and the details and registration are on the website. And lastly, um, for those that have been visiting with us over the past few weeks or months and uh, you want an opportunity to get some more a little bit more about who we are as a faith family, we're having our next Discover Gateway lunch. At Pastor Grady's home on Sunday, August 20th. It happens immediately after the service. You will meet over at their home, he and Julia's, uh, for a wonderful lunch, a time of fellowship, and then just get to know a little bit more about who we are as Gateway. And again, all those details and registration on the website so they can prepare the lunch accordingly. And also, if anybody needs some exa- um, information about connection, how to get connected deeper in our body, we have a lot of opportunities, Sunday morning Bible studies here on campus. We have a three adult classes. We have some life groups that are already going. And anything else that you have some questions about, please come and talk to me. Um, we can uh, just kind of point you in the right direction because our desire as shepherds and leaders of our church and elders is for you to get connected, to share in community. This is a wonderful gathering, amen? We come together, we encourage one another, we lift up the Lord, we get discipled and taught and equipped, but we want you to get connected beyond just our Sunday morning gathering for you to experience community in a deeper way. So if you have any uh, questions about that, please come talk to me, and we'll get you going in the right direction. Amen? You ready to worship the Lord this morning? Let's stand to our feet, and I just want to read this psalm over us, one of my favorites, first few verses, to prepare our hearts to worship the Lord in song we're going to exalt and glorify our Savior this morning. This is David's Psalm 145. David cries out, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and shall shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall praise you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Let's praise him this morning.
1: Thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson saint. I am so.
2: And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways. O King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Father, we have just sung songs that lead us to stand in awe of who you are. Great and awesome are your deeds, Lord. You are the one who is high and lifted up. You are not like us. Lord, as we reflect on your holiness, your greatness, it leads us to humble ourselves. Lord, we are but dust. You've created us, Lord, to magnify and exalt you, the God of all creation. What a privilege it is this morning to come before your throne of grace, to call you Father. You are our Father. You have stooped to our lowliness. You have helped us in our weaknesses. You have atoned for our sins in your son, Jesus Christ. We come to you in humility, but we also come to you with grateful hearts and in boldness, knowing that you love us and you are for us. Father, thank you for these wonderful truths. Your holiness, who you are in your character, and your nature. Lord, this morning, as we come before your throne, we do so with requests, asking and seeking your will and praying for those who are in need. This morning, I think of our military families who are part of this congregation and some new, some who have recently arrived. We thank you for them and for bringing them here to Gateway. And I pray, Lord, as they get settled in, that they would build relationships and feel connected here and that they would grow in their walk with you, and a love for you. For our families who have been here for a while, Lord, thank you for the impact that they have had on our community and our our body here. Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to give them wisdom and grace as they serve in that context. Lord, I also want to pray this morning uh, for the ministry of Safety Net and Mr. Smart and his work that is going on there and the guys that he is serving and ministering to. We pray, Lord, that that ministry would grow and that uh, you would give grace upon grace as these guys are discipled and led. Lord, we also want to pray this morning for our local churches. We think this morning of Morning View Baptist Church and uh, the pastor, Sean Maryview. Lord, we ask, God, that you would continue to bless that church. Thank you for its, its light in this community. Thank you for how it is serving in the, closer to the downtown area. Lord, I pray for Sean as he preaches your word this morning that, God, you would anoint him with your spirit and continue to bless that ministry and to our brothers and sisters at Morning View. Father, we think of global missions and the need for the gospel to go out through all the world. This morning we think of the ministry in Osaka, Japan. There is a visiting mission team there, including three Christian Japanese students who are going to be working on campus and sharing the gospel and evangelizing. We pray that as they establish this Bible study and as they interact with the local Japanese church, Lord, that, Lord, many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, there are so many young people in Japan who are isolated, who don't know the gospel and I pray, Lord, through this, uh, this evangelistic effort, Lord, that many would hear the gospel and respond. Lord, thank you for how you have blessed us. Thank you for uh, the, the grace you've shown to us by um, giving us so many material things, blessings. And I pray, Lord, that from the abundance of our heart we would give back uh, for the offering that will be given, that, Lord, you would bless it and that you would multiply it so that it, we could use that to further your kingdom and advance Uh, the gospel as we support uh, not only our pastors but also our missionaries lord for greg as he comes to preach thank you for his ministry thank you for what a blessing He has been to so many in this church, and we're so grateful for his willingness to come this morning and to preach your word. And I pray, Lord, as we hear the word proclaimed, that, Lord, you would give us a greater understanding of what it means to pray your kingdom come, that your name might be glorified. So I pray that this morning you would teach us to pray, to give us a heart to commune with you, and that you would just give Greg clarity as he brings your truth to our hearts. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name.
3: Well, good morning, Gateway family. Am I on? Can you hear me now? So Check. Is that any better? There we go. Okay. Well, good morning, Gateway family. If if you're new here this morning, I am Greg Teal, one of our elders here at Gateway. Our pastor, Grady, is a uh, with his family, and they're on a three-week vacation across the United States. Uh, uh, Continue to pray for him, that he gets uh, rest and recuperation. Uh, And I feel like as I come up here this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about praise this morning, and I feel like it's just a continuation. We did the application first, and now we're going to talk about praise. What a wonderful time. Thank you, Justin and the praise team for leading us before the throne of God to give him just just glory in our worship with Him today. I know that I'm already full, but I'm not quite full yet. got a little ways to go here. So uh, two weeks ago, we began a prayer series or a sermon series on prayer. Uh, and we started out with an overview of what is prayer. And we took a lot of looks. Uh, why should we pray? What should we pray about? What keeps us from praying? And then last week, Rick and Kay, came and talked to us where he introduced the Lord's Prayer and began by how do we approach God? Uh, Hallowed be thy name. We're approaching a holy God. He is our Father, near. He is uh, transcendent in heaven, and that he is holy. And we just sung about that this morning. Uh, Today, we we begin looking at the different aspects of prayer, and we're going to begin with praise, adoration, and thanksgiving, and we're going to banner that all up under the word praise. Now, we're spending this much time on prayer and elements of prayer because prayer, like breathing, should be natural. It should be life-giving in the life of the believer. And those who've been born again and who have new life in Christ, we're spending this much time on prayer because, like King Jehoshaphat in the passage we looked at last week, we are helpless, which is most clearly articulated in 2 Chronicles 20.12. But an overwhelming force was coming against Judah, and he prayed this prayer, Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now we're spending this much time on prayer because we were made to commune with our Creator, to praise God for who He is, His glory, the perfection of all His attributes. And to thank God for all he has done on our behalf. And from these, when we step into this, this is where we find our greatest joy. And as a reminder, uh, if uh, Xander could put this up, uh, we had a working definition of prayer where praise is inherent. And this praise is our comprehensive, continuous, and I want to change communication like Rick did, to communion with our creator and savior God about everything in faith, exchanging our will for God's will, for his glory, and our joy. So today, um, we want to look at the prayer element of praise. And we want to start out by looking at, first of all, just what is praise? And specifically, what does it mean to praise the Lord? And then a second movement is, we're going to answer the question, why do we praise God? And then we'll close up with how and when do we praise God as more of a practical application of what does this look like? in our lives. So begin, to begin today, I'd like to ask you to stand. And although I don't have a main text, we're going to read two passages, uh, starting with Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. Okay, speak along with me. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. And Psalm 113, 3. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we know part of our communication with you is simply our praise of who you are, our praise for what you have done on our behalf. And it's all for your glory. And Lord, it's ultimately all for our greatest joy. I pray. God, that you would instruct our hearts today in this whole area of praise, Lord. Grow us up in praise, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So first, let's begin just asking the basic question, what is praise? So C.S. Lewis, in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, offers a most fascinating perspective on praise. He says this, The most obvious fact about praise whether God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I'd never noticed that all of enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, and if he was here, he would have said college football. Countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised the least. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost always seems to be inner health made audible. I'd noticed, I hadn't noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join in praising. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? We see this example in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, where the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Now here it is. Exalt the Lord with me, and let's exalt His name together. And he goes on to say this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, Because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And he ends with this. says, The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. So in commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. So C.S. Lewis here puts into words what is at the heart of praise. We praise what we value. Praise expresses enjoyment. And indeed, it completes the enjoyment. Finally, in terms of praising God, glorifying God, well, that's found in enjoying God. These two are inseparable. So ask yourself this. If praise flows from what we love, value, treasure, care about, are moved by, what am I praising? And what does that tell me about my own heart? And what I value and treasure above all. So that's looking at just this whole idea of praise in general. So let's take a further look at what does it mean to praise the Lord. First, praised is one of many words used in the scripture that are synonymous to some degree. And as we said earlier, for today's purpose, I want to include the ideas of thanksgiving, blessing the Lord, praising the Lord, glorifying the Lord under the banner of praise now one distinction between praise and thanksgiving is that praise is us uh, telling god or exalting god for who he is whereas thanksgiving is giving him praise for what he's done on our behalf and you see these used separately you see them used interchangeably and you see them see them used together often in the scripture so to get a fuller meaning of praise let's look at some of the biblical words that we see that are used for praise. And let's begin in the Old Testament, where several key words are used for praise. The first of these words you may be familiar with, it's halal. Uh, It means to shine or to make a show, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to commend, to sing praise, renowned. And this this is the root of where we get the word hallelujah, that halal, praise, Yah, Yahweh, praise the Lord. So feel free at any time, when you say hallelujah, realize you're saying praise the Lord. Another word, yada, it means to revere or worship with extended hands, confession, praise, giving of thanks. Another word, zamar, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. So here we see where music and singing is brought into this idea of praise. To play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice. To celebrate in song or music. Then the word "barak," it's used over 330 times in the Old Testament, and it means to kneel, to kneel down, to salute, to bless God. It is an act of adoration. Now in the New Testament, there's multiple words used for praise, with meanings that are generally centered around commendation, thanksgiving, to laud, to honor. To applaud, to speak well of, to bless, to consecrate, to sing, to give glory, and on and on and on. But the word most often used in the New Testament that really gets at the heart of praise is the word doxa. And the word doxa, you may it may sound familiar because doxa is where we get doxology from, which is the singing, putting, putting words to praise. But doxa is a word that means glory. And it comes from a word that means exercising personal opinion, which determines value. It also is brought forward from the Old Testament, the word kabod, which is the word used for glory in the Old Testament, which means heavy, a weight. So when we pull all this together, this word doxa, it conveys God's infinite, intrinsic worth, His substance, His essence. So when we think of glorifying God, we think of honoring him with praise, with worship. And praise and God's glory are inseparable. And scripture makes our responsibility to glorify God evident from cover to cover. You're welcome to turn. We're going we're to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And the whole passage is verses 7 through 36. But I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 and I'm going to read 23 through 36. And this passage is set in the context of David, who's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, into Jerusalem. And here he's appointing Asaph, who's going to be his chief minister, his chief praise minister before the Ark of the Covenant. If you remember, the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God dwelt over the mercy seat, the glory of God. And so I want you to listen as we read this passage for the elements of praise. This is a model of praise that David gives us as he instituted Asaph in as the chief minister. Starting in verse 12. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Boast in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord Be joyful. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Remember His wonderful deeds which He has done, His marvels and the judgments from His mouth. And now looking at verses, I'm sorry, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good news of His salvation day to day. And now turning to verse 24 and on. Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. he is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. I want to stop there just for a second and say, this is what keeps us from praising God most often. And it is the idols in our own heart that hardens our heart, that steals our heart's affections, the delight of our heart. And therefore, God is not the delight of our heart, And therefore, there's not a natural flow of praise because we are idolaters, all of us in different ways. And so just let that be a warning and a wake-up call for all of us. And we're going to talk about that a little at the end, about our heart's affections. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord. Glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy attire tremble before him all the earth indeed the world is firmly established it will not be moved let the heavens be joyful and the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations the lord reigns and here it comes here's god shouting at us in creation as creation declares his glory verse 32 let the sea roar and everything it contains let the field rejoice and everything that is in it Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy in the presence of the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his faithfulness is everlasting. Then say, save us, God of our salvation. And gather us and save us from the nations. And here it is. The reason, the purpose, don't miss this. To give thanks to your holy name. to glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. What a model for how we are to praise the Lord. Comprehensive model. So let's bring it all together as we think about the question, what does it mean to praise the Lord? So we started with praise and thanksgiving are by their very nature, the responses to something or someone. And in the life of the believer, They should be responses that flow naturally from our heart to the heart of God. And from the Old and New Testament, we see praise as boasting about, celebrating, rejoicing in, commending, revering, thanking, blessing, adoring, honoring, lauding, consecrating, glorifying God. With words, thinking, speaking, singing with or without instruments, Standing, kneeling, laying prostrate, hands raised, dancing, applauding, and on and on. So here's where I land in terms of a working definition of praise. A very imperfect definition of praise. Because defining praise is like pouring the ocean into a little bottle. But here we go. Praise is an act of the will and I want to I just want to make that point it flows naturally but as a believer God's given us volition and it is an act of our will is the natural joyful response of the Christian to God's saving and sustaining grace flowing from the heart quickened enlivened and empowered by the holy spirit and the word of god that exalts and declares The glory of God in who he is and what he's done on our behalf. I'm sure an English teacher would tear that apart for a very long sentence. But I think it captures the essence from our perspective of what it means to praise the Lord. So now that we've looked at this idea of what is praise and what does it really mean to praise the Lord, let's look at why. Why do we praise God? So first, as we've already seen, we're called, we're commanded to praise God, and we're commanded to praise God for His glory. So multiple psalmists and prophets and the apostles give clarion calls to praise the Lord, to exalt the Lord, to boast in the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord, to magnify the Lord, and it's all for His glory. Now, Jesus calls us to praise and to glorify God as we have already looked at a portion of the Lord's Prayer, better known as the disciples' prayer or model prayer. And he starts off with, Hallowed be thy name, which Rick talked about last week, that God is holy. And his holiness and his glory are intertwined. There's no one. There's nothing like him. He is other. So we start with, hallowed be your name. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it ends it this way. Yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. So many of you are familiar with John Piper. He was asking in an interview, does God command our praise for his sake or for ours? And he went on to describe how his parents shared 1 Corinthians 10.31 with him more than any other scripture. And in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says this, therefore, and you're familiar with this, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And John Piper said, to know why you exist, to know why you are on this planet, indeed to know why there's anything at all in existence. What a gift and what a privilege to know And out of that, this idea that God is committed to glorifying God. And honestly, to some of you, that may be a revelation that God is committed to glorifying God. And he goes on to say, it became obvious over time that this simply wasn't my duty to glorify God in everything I do. But this was God's design for his own action. All of it. He does everything. He does everything he does for the glory of God. He predestines to the glory of God. He creates to the glory of God. He guides history to the glory of God. He sends Jesus to live and die for the glory of God. He sanctifies his church to the glory of God. And Jesus is coming back to be marveled at and glorified among his people. All for his glory. So everywhere in the Bible, we see God glorifying God he does what he does to make himself look as beautiful and glorious and great and wise and just and good and loving and gracious as he really is so John Piper says the duty I grew up with then expanded into a whole full-blown view of the universe And he says, I think that's really there in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, because text after text pointed to the ultimate purpose of all things, namely God is committed to glorifying God. So so finally, listen to this. God does everything. And he especially saves to the praise of his glory. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. One of the most beautiful passages in Scripture that talks about our salvation, that talks about us being born again. And there's a, there's a phrase here that we see over and over and over again in this passage. I'm going to start with verse, end of verse four. It says, In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Here it is, to the praise of the glory of His grace, with which He favored us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He set forth in Him, regarding His plan of the fullness of the times, to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. According to the purpose of Him that works all things in accordance with the plan of His will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in the Christ would be, here it is, here's why we're here, to the praise of His glory. And in Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession, in case we didn't get it the first two times, to the praise of his glory. All three of them, as if Paul were to say, did you get it? Do you see it? So does God command our praise because it glorifies him? Yes. Yes. You're chosen, destined, adopted, redeemed to the praise of the glory of God's grace. So one more thing, going back to C.S. Lewis's thoughts on praise. He said this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the joy. It is, a point, it is an appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. And I reshared that because, you know, John Piper, those of you who are familiar with him, you know, he has a he has a banner. It's a, it's a phrase that, that, that really just encapsulates his philosophy of life and his ministry. So he goes on to say this, and, and he wants to get us, he wants us to get the connection of God's glory and our joy. He says, do you see where this led me? Every time God commanded me to praise him for his glory, he was commanding me to bring my pleasure to him to its fullest delight. That's what he was commanding. My pleasure in God is not complete unless it overflows in praise. And my praise of God is not glorifying to God unless it is the overflow of my pleasure in God. God's not an egomaniac. When he commands me to praise him, he's acting in love because my praising him is the apex of my pleasure in him. What a discovery. What an incredible discovery that God's bound them together in his children forever to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this became the banner over John Piper's ministry for those of you who are familiar, where he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So we've looked at what praise is. We've looked at why we praise God for his glory. And in that praise, we find our greatest joy. So I want to finish up with some very practical application of looking at how and when do I praise God. So let's start with the Psalms. And for those of you who, uh, for you right now, praise may not be a part of your life. We're gonna, I'm going to share a resource with you at the end of the sermon today. But, but the Psalms is probably the place to start to develop your heart for praising the Lord. So when we look at the Psalms. I want, I want to look at two New Testament passages to start with. Let's turn to Colossians 3, 16 through 17. And then Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Now these are these are like sister passages that are almost identical with one small change in each of these passages. So in Colossians 3, we read this: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then we see in Ephesians five, eighteen through twenty a very similar passage where it says, And do not get drunk with wine, in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to God our Father. So, these two key passages teach us a real key concept that praise begins with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, as the Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it to our hearts, to our lives. And that when this happens, the natural outpouring from our heart will be praise to the Lord. So, I want you not to miss this key connection key to our praising the Lord, key to having an affection. And a heart to praise the Lord starts with the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, when we look at the Psalms, which in the New Testament we're directed to do. uh, The Psalms, uh, when you look at that, it really means praises in the Hebrew text. But when the Greek Old Testament was written, the Septuagint, the word Psalms was used meaning to pluck or to twang. And what you have in the Psalms is Israel's God-breathed hymn book. Now these praises in the Psalms come from the mountains of life and from the lowest of valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death. They're real praises from real people experiencing all the joys and maladies of this life and facing them with a trust in God and His faithfulness, His sovereignty, His goodness, his graciousness, His mercy. The Psalms, as we read them and delight in them, they transport us from the depths of despair to towers of trust because they point us to our great and glorious God. In the Psalms, we see a clear call to praise God, and we also have instructions and principles on how to praise God. So, we'll look at three Psalms. Psalm 34, starting there, looking at verses 1 through 3. It says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You notice the all of life, all the time theme in Scripture. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. In everything give thanks. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is an all-in venture walking with the Lord. It goes on in verse 2, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. And as we looked at before, when you praise God, you want to invite other people. That's the nature of authentic praise. And honestly, I love when we praise together as a congregation. That's the highlight of my week, to come together, to sing together to worship the Lord together from our hearts and blessing the heart of God. Looking at Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3, it says, praise the Lord. Who? Praise the Lord, O servants of the Lord, His people. Praise the name of the Lord, all that He is. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So we're going to be praising Him forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, so that's daily, and it's all day. The name of the Lord is to be praised. And in Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds, for what He has done. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness, which is for who He is. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Praise him with music. Let everything that has breath, and we sung that this morning, the breath he gave us, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the Bible's clear. Praise, it's comprehensive. So we're clearly commanded to praise the Lord comprehensively. But what about when I just can't seem to praise the Lord? I don't feel anything. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I'm grieving. I'm broken. I'm just hanging on. What does praise look like in the darkness of the storm? So We're broken people, all of us, living in a broken world. And now get this, our whole lives are a mixture with lots of tension between sheer joy and utter grief and everywhere in between. This line from this verse from this song, when I survey the wondrous cross, sums this up so well. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Our Lord walked the walk of love and grief flowing mingled down. See, suffered on the cross for our sins. He shows us this reality. So let's take one example of what does praise in the utter darkness look like? What does praise in crisis look like? 2 Chronicles 20, we looked at this two weeks ago. Again, back to King Jehoshaphat. The scenario was overwhelming forces coming against Judah. There was no way they stood any chance. They were going to be completely annihilated. They proclaimed a fast, began to pray, began to and we're looking at uh, the first part of chapter 20 and verses 4 through 12. They rehearse God's character, His faithfulness. They speak it back to God. They remind God of His covenant. And then they pray that prayer. This is, Lord, we're powerless. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And here's what happened. In verse 14, the Spirit of God came on one of the prophets. And the Lord says, I'm here. I've got the battle. The battle is mine, not yours. And so what was their response in verse 19? They began to praise the Lord. But that's one thing. There was the next day to come where the battle was going to happen. They had to step into the battle. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 21. It said, When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, and those who praised to him in holy attire, and they went out before the army. I don't want you to just read over this like this is some story. This was a battlefield. I'm sure there was the this, this stinking of people who hadn't had showers for a while, of the animals, the horses. This was, this was a very visceral situation where fear could have been so thick. But that wasn't the case because as they went out before the army, they said, give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praying, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were struck down. Don't miss this. They had to step out and praise the Lord in faith, believing God's word. That's what they did. So they believed God's word to them. They stepped out in faith, not fighting with horses and chariots and massive weapons. But they stepped into the battle with praise by faith, declaring his faithfulness. You know, there was a time in my life back around 1999 when I walked through a very dark period. I was down and depressed. I was very fearful. And there's the words of a song that really characterized um, how the Lord taught me. Praise in the darkness. And here it is. It's from an old group called the Imperials. Probably very few of you will ever have heard of the Imperials before. And the song goes like this. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes are cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord, for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord, and the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Now Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the King. So lift up your mighty shield of faith, For the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen. So the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. And the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you as they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. So when we praise God, We are declaring by faith that our God is greater, stronger, more majestic and powerful than anything or anyone to include our crisis, our struggle, our valley, our battle. We may not have the results the Israelites did that day. Our circumstances may not change for the better. But we praise God because he's worthy of our praise. And although we don't know what the future holds, we praise the one who holds the future. And know that our ultimate deliverance, our greatest joy is found in Him and Him alone. So how do we praise God? We praise Him individually and corporately in the mountaintop experiences, in the valley of crisis, brokenness, suffering, all the time, everywhere, with everything we have and are. For who He is, His attributes, His nature, His character, everything about Him, what He has done, what He's doing and will do, this includes most importantly, our salvation, where he gives us a new song to sing, the song of the redeemed. I want you to get this. Our praise of God grows as our knowledge of God grows. And we come to know God through his word by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. As you begin to know God, you will see his attributes and his character on every page of scripture. And you'll praise him. You can't help it. So I want to say one more thing, and finally, do you know that when we praise Him, that we're not starting the party? That first of all, we're joining praise already in progress since the beginning. Psalm nineteen, verses one and two says this: "The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanses declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. His handiwork declares His glory." Can you see it? Do you know who to thank when a sunset stops you in your tracks? When the beauty and majesty of mountains causes you to pause? And when you see a flock of geese in perfect V formation? Or consider the ocean in all its majesty and mystery. Keeps within the boundaries set for it as though it knows. Can you not see the glory of God when you consider the universe? O Lord my God, when I, in awesome wonder, consider all the universe... All the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. And one last thing. Do you know that when you praise the Lord, it's not just creation you're joining. You're joining the constant cry of heaven. I'll just read one passage. We're not going to read them all that I have, Xander. Revelation 4, 1 through 11. It's a scene in heaven before the tribulation and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. Each day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And as we go down to Verse 11, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. and Because of your will, they existed and were created. So friends, we join in with all of heaven and all of creation in praising the only one worthy of our praise. So I'm going to ask you, do you know him? And if you know him, I'm going to ask you another question: Will you praise him? So what is praise? Praise is an act of the will, as an act of the will is the natural, joyful response of the Christian to God's saving and sustaining grace, flowing from the heart, quickened, enlivened and empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that exalts and declares the glory of God for who he is and what He's done on our behalf. And why do we praise God? It's why we were made, ultimately for His glory, and in doing so, our greatest joy in Him forever. And how do we praise God? In the Word of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, joining Him with creation, in heaven's constant cry, we praise God individually, corporately, in the mountaintop experiences, in the valley of crisis, in our brokenness, in our suffering, all the time, everywhere. For who He is, His attributes, His nature, His character, everything about Him, what he has done and is doing and will do, this includes mostly importantly our salvation to the praise of his glorious grace where he gives us a new song to sing, a song of the redeemed. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you now. Lord, our hearts are full. Lord, full from your blessing, full of the privilege of knowing you, Lord, we ask, would you teach us to praise? Lord, one aspect of our communion with you. Lord, that in our praise, we would glorify you. And in our praise, we would find our greatest joy. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Y'all
1: stand and sing with us. Praise God from
3: gateway family uh, my heart for you is that praise would become a clarion call to you that praise would arise out of your heart to the heart of God but like most things in our lives there's lots of obstacles and I want to encourage you that there's something you can do on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday afternoon and Thursday evening and it always begins here You will never develop the heart of God that he wants for you apart from his word, ever. This is where we come to know God and his attributes. We know who he is. And I want to commend to you that uh, on Wednesday night, starting in the fall, Grady's going to begin a new series on the attributes of God. And we're going to look at who is this great God that we worship. And that is an experience if you've never looked at the attributes of God to know who he is. And as we talked about the Psalms today, I want to encourage you to camp out in the Psalms. Ask the Lord, because the Psalms is such a visceral book. It hits us in our hearts, the depths of life, and it causes us to cry out in praise to our God. And one resource I've used is, it's a book, it's a devotional by Tim Keller called The Songs of Jesus. It's a year-long journey through the Psalms, and it's been a blessing in my life. And there's many books, but one is by Arthur Pink on the attributes of God that if you want to, to read on your own. And then finally, as we, talked, as we talked today, we talked about praise in the heart of the believer. And we're, we're praising God all the time for our salvation, for the gospel. And I want to encourage you. This is called the Gospel Primer. This is a 31-day devotional on different aspects of the gospel looking in the prisms of the gospel so that we can worship our Lord and praise him for such a great salvation. But if you're here today and you don't know this great God, my question to you is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? He is just so beyond anything and he is the reason that you were made, whether you know it or not. So if you have any questions about getting to know this God, come come talk to me any of the elders or any, any other believers here that you know. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to end today by glorifying you, Lord, by giving our lives and even reaffirming, Lord, that our lives are not about us, they're about you. But the great thing, Lord, is that in pursuing you with everything we are, you give us our greatest joy. Lord, our joy that we often trade for little trinkets, give our heart affections away as to so many other things, Lord. And so I want to end with reading out of 1 Timothy to close us today. Jesus Christ, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, and whom no man has seen or can see. To him the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. God bless you all.